0: Official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at WellChurchVT.com. This is our third Sunday in Advent, and you'll notice we have three candles now lit on the Advent wreath. There's one more candle to be lit, and that's going to be next Sunday, the last Sunday before Christmas. And I mentioned this last week, but Advent is a time of year on the church calendar where we're invited to to slow down, to slow down so that we can anticipate Christ's coming, not just as a baby 2,000 years ago, but his return where he sets the world right again. And so it's a time where we anticipate and we have to wait and slow ourselves down. The trouble, of course, with Advent is this. It coincides with the Christmas season, which is anything but slow. (laughs) Christmas is a time, it has a way of shoving us into a state of chronic hurry. We, We call it something more palatable. We call it the hustle and bustle of the holidays, right? Because it just feels like, well, it's easier to justify our our pathologically busy, chronically hurried life, if we just call it something that sounds nice, like the hustle and the bustle. But it doesn't resolve the conflict we feel as Christ followers every time that Christmas comes, where we know that Christmas is supposed to be a season where we we slow ourselves down and we anticipate Jesus coming, and yet we just don't know how to do that, how to go about that. And Last week, I I talked about how many of us, because of the hectic nature of our culture and the way that we live, that we suffer from something called hurry sickness. And hurry sickness is just feeling chronically short on time, just feeling rushed, just feeling anxious. And last Sunday, we actually took a few minutes together to diagnose our level of hurry sickness. And we listed some symptoms of hurry sickness. How many were here last Sunday? and you remember doing that as an exercise together? And if you, if you missed last week and you're interested in diagnosing your own personal level of hurry sickness, just go listen to the podcast. If you want to save time, I can just tell you you're hurry sick, just like me. Um, John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he says this, that hurry is a form of violence on the soul. Hurry is a form of violence on the soul, which is why Advent, it becomes an important season on the church calendar because Advent helps us to resist hurry at every level. Uh, so we decided to take the three Sundays leading up to Christmas to look at what the scriptures teach us about slowing down and anticipating Christ's coming. And so last week on the 8th, we looked at how love is slow. And we talked a bit about how hurry crowds out God's love. Today, we're going to look at how peace is slow, how, how hurry makes us less aware of God's presence. And then finally, next Sunday, the 22nd, we're going to talk about how joy is slow, how hurry prevents us from appreciating God's goodness. And so we see these three words, right, peace, joy, and love, everywhere this time of year. We see them on Christmas cards. We see them on decorations. We see them on banners. We see them on billboards when we drive outside of the state of Vermont. <laughs> Only Vermonters get that joke. <laughs> but we see, them, we, we see them everywhere. These words, peace, joy, and love. And I think it's so ironic because these three words appear most during the busiest, most hectic season on the calendar year. And what's ironic about that is peace, joy, and love are incompatible with hurry. If you're in a hurry, you can't love well. If you're in a hurry, it's hard to find peace. If you're in a hurry, it's impossible to experience joy. Especially when you're talking about God's love, God's peace, and God's joy. They're incompatible. And we proclaim these three words every Christmas. You know, we put them on our Christmas cards and, and, and on, our, on our Facebook posts, but somehow those three things elude us. Exhaustion, stress, and annoyance kind of replace those three words for us at Christmas time. And so it's ironic that, that we proclaim those things, but they, they they're just kind of like evade us. And so how do we change that? Well, when we look at, the Christmas story in the Gospels. When you go to the Gospel of Matthew and Luke particularly, one of the first things we see about the Christmas story is how unaware everyone is. That God took on flesh and came to earth, the biggest event in the history of creation. And yet, hardly anybody takes notice of it. Isn't that strange? The only people, we're told, in the Christmas narrative, in Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel, the only people who were aware of Jesus' birth on the night he was born were a group of shepherds. Now, the Magi were involved too, uh, but that happened sometime later. Historians tell us that the Magi showed up between 12 days and two years after Jesus was born. And I'm sorry I just wrecked your romantic nativity scene, (laughs) But but that's what historians tell us. But some some shepherds were told were there the night Jesus was born. Now, I've never been a shepherd. I, I don't know too much about herding sheep, but I'm guessing it's not a, a very fast-paced occupation. I imagine that if you were a shepherd in Jesus' day, uh, you would get a lot of time to think, reflect, to observe your surroundings. In fact, a shepherd's job back in that time was to be attentive to observe surroundings in case wolves or some dangers came their way and so that's their job is to just kind of be present just be aware just be attentive and i find it odd in the christmas story that this angelic host comes to a group of shepherds they didn't show up in the town square of bethlehem where it would be the most people now if i were god or if I were part of this angelic coast, I would be pulling for that. I would want to go to the town square. Actually, what I would want to do, I would want to go to all the innkeepers who told Mary and Joseph there wasn't any room. And, in, and instead of singing glory to God in the highest, I would sing something else on their doorstep to like, hey, look what you missed out on. But that's, that's me. The angels didn't do that. God didn't do that. Angels instead, they, they decided to uh, uh, show up to a group of shepherds who were just slowly herding their sheep at night. And you have to wonder, why did God do this? The biggest event in the history of the world. And yet nobody's aware. Why did God show up to shepherds? Well, maybe because God knew they would be paying attention. Maybe because uh, the shepherds lived such an unhurried life that they would be a certain awareness of God's presence. And look at the proclamation these angels This proclamation of peace that they deliver to the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the angels declare this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I think it's interesting how once this group of shepherds become aware of God's presence, a proclamation of peace is given. And this is one thing that I've noticed in my own journey with God, my own walk with God, is that the times in my life when I'm most aware of his presence, that's when I I feel the most peace. That somehow God's presence and his peace go hand in hand together. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, the prophet Isaiah said, said this long before, 700 years before Jesus was born, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, in the Hebrew language, the word peace there that Isaiah is using is is the word shalom. Have you ever heard the word shalom before? It's often used as a greeting. But what shalom means is much bigger than a greeting. It it means peace. Um, Shalom means complete. It means whole. Shalom is a place where nothing is missing or out of alignment. That's shalom. And so Isaiah says Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the prince of shalom who comes to heal and to right all wrongs, to heal what's broken, to align our hearts to God. And and there are three facets of God's peace that Jesus brings. Isaiah proclaims that he's the prince of peace, of of his government and peace there'll be no end. But there's three facets or features of God's peace. The first one is peace with God himself. Uh, The book of Romans chapter eight tells us that you and I at one time were at enmity with God. That we... Uh, were hostile towards him and alienated ourselves from him. And that was our own doing, not his. We, we rejected him and his shalom all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And so Jesus came to make peace with, with us and God. He came to heal that divide, to reconcile us to God. So that's the first kind of peace. The second kind of peace, of course, is, is just peace with our circumstances. Scripture talks about this kind of peace this way, it says that God gives us peace that passes all understanding, right? That there's a peace that invades our heart and sustains us even when we're in turmoil, even when we're in trouble. There's a peace that God gives to us through Christ. And then the third kind of peace, of course, is is peace on earth, peace with our fellow man, the ability to have peace in our relationships, peace that, that heals strife. In conflict. But here's the thing about the word shalom in all three facets of of God's peace. None of them can be found riding the hurry train. (laughs) None of them can be found living at a breakneck pace because peace is slow. Peace requires us to, to slow down enough to become aware of Emmanuel, God with us. Peace requires a pace. Now, the scriptures teach us that God is omnipresent. And that just means he's, he's everywhere. Not in a, in a pantheistic way, like God isn't a force that we can kind of draw out of the rocks and the trees and the ground, but he is everywhere we go. He's omnipresent. And so if we're unaware of his presence, then the problem lies with us and not with him. Does that make sense? See, We're less aware of God's presence and peace when we're hurried. Taylor Clark, in her book, It's Not the Job Market, three real reasons why Americans are more anxious than ever before. Taylor Clark says this, that the United States is the most anxious nation in the world. Mm -hmm. Citizens in other countries experience one-fifth of the anxiety that Americans experience. In fact, she goes on in her book to say when immigrants come to America, they become just as anxious as we are. (laughs) The National Institute of Mental Health says that this year, over 50 million Americans will experience a panic attack, phobia, or anxiety disorder. That's one out of six of us. I'll tell you a story. About three years ago, I was going through a season in my life where I was incredibly anxious. And I remember telling the leaders of our church, like, man, I'm just dealing with so much anxiety. Does anybody here ever dealt with anxiety before? And, and there, you, if, if you've dealt with anxiety, you know it, it kind of comes and goes and it swells, and, but it's always just kind of like there's a low grade of it in your life. But at this season, about three years ago, there was a lot of it in my life. I was just feeling overwhelmed all the time. I was waking up every night in the middle of the night with 100 things in my mind. Ever had that happen? And you can't go back to sleep and you toss and turn. And I just remember feeling incredibly... Um, burned out, overwhelmed, anxious about every little thing, big things too, but little things made me anxious. And 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 I didn't feel like I had any space in my life to address it, which is problematic because I'm a pastor. (laughs) right? But there would be times, even on Sundays, I would get up here to preach, and just like anxiety, like, am I going to remember what I wanted to share? And is everything going to go okay? And what if somebody throws something at me? I just have anxious about everything. And and I said to myself, you know what? I don't have any space right now, but I need to get alone with God. I need to become attentive toward Him. But what happens... Maybe this happens with you, but it happens with me. I get most anxious when all the margin in my life gets filled up with stuff. And I don't have any time to be present and attentive and aware of God's presence. And so I told myself the next time I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm going to go sit out in the living room and just have some, a moment with God. And sure enough, that night, 1 o'clock in the morning, I wake up. A thousand things are on my mind. I said, I'm prepared for this. I've already planned for this. I go out into our living room, turn one little light on. It's nice and dim. All my kids, I have four children and and my wife and my dog who are all asleep. I thought, but this is great. There's no distractions. I'm just going to sit here and just be with God. And I sat down and closed my eyes. And, And no joke, within just a couple minutes, I start crying. And eventually that that crying turns into a sobbing, but it's one of those silent sobs because I don't want to wake up my family. <laughs> Do you ever a silent sob before? Your whole body's like shaking <laughs> and, you're, and you're sobbing. And, and all of these emotions, like all of this worry, this strife, anxiety just kind of came up because it finally had a place to come. And what I did is I just started talking to God about it. And I just laid down on the living room floor, and there was a, a scripture verse that came to mind from Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. And I just started to meditate on that scripture. And I just stayed there. And it turned into two hours. And I would love to tell you that from that moment on, I've never had any anxiety. That's not the case. <laughs> it wasn't a silver bullet but I did find God's peace that night. I did remember, oh yeah, I have to be attentive to God's presence for him to declare peace over my soul. I have to be aware of his presence. See, I I know this, that anxiety can be quite complex and quite complicated, um, and there are a lot of valid approaches to treating it, but what if slowing down in becoming intentionally aware of God's presence provides us with more peace than we realize. Because when God shows up, he's coming to put it on flesh and coming to earth to save the world. And angelic hosts, go, they find these shepherds and, and the first thing they do once the shepherds are aware of something happening is they proclaim God's peace. What if we just had, had to slow down a little bit, become aware of God's presence and feel the peace that he gives? See, something happened in 2007 that changed our lives forever, in a good way and in a bad way. Uh, in 2007, the digital age was born. In 2007, the iPhone was released. Uh, also, Facebook was made available to every person with an email address in 2007. Uh, Twitter came onto the scene along with the App Store and the iCloud. Before 2007, none of us had a smartphone. Twelve years later, none of us can live without it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? We have it. A study by Dscout, published by Business Insider found this, that we touch our cell phones 2,617 times every day. And you've done it, right? I've done it. My phone is out, and I sit down, and I just take a breath. And In the, the instant any boredom hits, I, I, don't, I don't even know what I'm looking for. <laughs> I just instinctively, compulsively grab my phone and be like, oh, oh yeah, it's 1053. Yep, still got those apps there. Yeah, or Maybe I should check the weather. Maybe I should check Twitter. Maybe I should look at my email, though I just checked it 32 seconds ago. Right? We, we impulsively just kind of grab for the, our phones. The, when we go someplace we haven't been, the first thing we do is search, does this place have Wi-Fi? <laughs> I'm only going to be here for three minutes, but does it have Wi-Fi? <laughs> According to a study published in Time Magazine, in, in the year 2000, before the digital revolution began, our attention span was 12 seconds. Today it's 8 seconds. A goldfish's attention span is nine seconds. (laughs) And we wonder why we can't seem to find God's peace in our lives. Because we've forgotten how to be attentive to God's presence. Why would we ever be still and know that he is God when we have digital distraction available at our fingertips? And further and further down the hole of hurried distraction we go, filling every ounce of margin in our lives with digital distraction, with a little handheld device that fits comfy in our pocket. Right? See, sometimes I wonder uh, how much staring at my phone costs me. Now I understand that the technology advancements—this I mean, is amazing. There's so, there's so much good that comes from living in the digital age. There's so many so many benefits that are afforded to us, but we also have to recognize that technology shapes our faith. It shapes our relationship with God. It shapes our relationships with others, not just in good ways, but also in negative ways. And so sometimes I wonder what staring at my phone has cost me. How many times was God waiting for me to be attentive to him so he could make and pronounce peace over my soul. But I was just filling up that space. I didn't have time to shepherd and slowly herd sheep and just be around and be attentive and look around. Where is God right now? Because every second that I have, I'm doing this. Right? How much of his his presence and his peace would I experience if I just slowed down? I'm... I want to learn how to do that more. Do you guys? You want to learn how to be more attentive and aware of God's presence and his peace? Um, last week, I gave you three things to try, three ideas to try to help slow you down. Last week, we talked about how love is slow and, and how hurry can can crowd out love. And I gave you three kind of things to try um, to, to slow down so that you could love others well and love God well. It, how many of you stood in the longest line at the store last week? A, a, few, a few of you did, and you're still here. Christmas miracle. You made it. You're, you, you survived. Um, another thing I told you last week is find, find someone to have a meal with and chew your food. Eat slow and just relate to them because love is slow. And then the third thing I asked you to do was, was when you're talking with someone face-to-face and your phone is chirping, don't pull it out and allow it to interrupt the person who's standing in front of you, right? Because love is slow. How did you guys do last week? There's a few people who did good. That's awesome. Can I give you three more things to try? Peace is slow, right? Not just love is slow, but peace is slow. Let me give you three more things to try. Now, this first one's a doozy, okay? So just be prepared for it. Make your smartphone dumb again for an entire day. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Only use your phone for talking and texting for a whole day. Take take away any digital distraction. For an entire day. And that might mean that you have to disable your web browser. It might be you have to delete all your notifications, your, you know, your Facebook, your Twitter notifications, your news alerts. Maybe what you'll have to do is consolidate all your apps into those tiny boxes to clear your home screen. So when you compulsively reach for your phone, be like, oh, it's blank. There's nothing there. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm not supposed to touch that right now. I don't know what you'll have to do, but figure out what you'll have to do and try to survive one day And be attentive to how it affects your peace. Be attentive to how it impacts your awareness of God's presence. Pay attention to that. All right, that's the first one. Some of you are like, check, I'm not doing that one. Get to the, give me one I can do. All right, here's here's another one that you can try. Schedule five minutes of silence this week. And you're thinking, that sounds doable. That sounds easy. No, it is not. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting silently for five minutes is not something that we're accustomed to. It it sounds easy, but it is not. Um, Here's what will likely happen when you do it at first. And and One of the reasons it's hard is you can't find a place that is silent for five minutes. You have to find a place that's quiet for five minutes. Maybe you do what I did. You wake up in the middle of the night and you just find a silent space. But well, here's what will happen when, when you do that, most likely. First, you'll feel restless because we're not used to sitting still and silent. And then you'll probably feel a little guilty because you should be doing something with that time. And if you push past that, what will happen is a whole gamut of emotions will, will start to surface because uh, that's, you're giving it space for the first time to surface. And here's what I want you to do during that time. Talk with God about that. It, it could be good emotions. It could be negative emotions. It could be, it could be gratitude. It could be, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling so, so, so much thankfulness. And, or it could be the opposite of that. You feel I'm feeling so stressed and overwhelmed. Just start talking with God about it. See if there's a scripture that comes to mind that you can just meditate on. Take five minutes of silence and schedule it out this week. Okay, you ready for the last one? I saved the hardest one for last. This is for like... You know when you were in school and there was always the over-ambitious students in the room? They give homework and they do like twice that homework. <laughs> right, this, is for, this is for those people. For an entire week, drive the speed limit. <laughs> Listen, not seven miles over the speed limit because that's what you can get away with. Drive the actual speed limit. <laughs> See, here's, here's why I'm going to ask you to do this. Here's why I'm going to ask you to do this. Because, <laughs> let, me ask you, let me tell you why I want to ask you to do this. I think one of the ways we measure God's peace in our life is to pay attention to how we are behind a wheel on a road. You might be, you might be here, and you're like, Adam, this is a great sermon series about hurry sickness, but I'm not hurry sick, I have plenty of peace. And then you get behind your car, and it's like a demon, <laughs> you're like mad at everybody like why is that person going so slow put on your signal like you idiot honking we're flipping people off we're cursing under our breath but you're but 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 we tell ourselves we tell ourselves oh I'm totally peaceful I have no hurry in my soul (laughs) And, and the moment we climb into our car we're in a hurry some of us can't even remember ever being peaceful behind the wheel of a vehicle Because the minute we climb in, we're in a hurry to get to the next place. Even if we have no place to go. We got we don't have any time constraints. Something happens to us. As soon as we get into our car, little man like, I gotta get there. (laughs) Let me say it this way. When we drive the speed limit, we realize our own limits. We remember that we too have limitations. That our 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 bodies, our souls, our spirits are not designed to be revved up racing from one day to the next. They're not. And so the next time you get in your vehicle, ask God to slow you down when you climb into your car. Ask him, God, make me aware of your presence and your peace. Just try it. Again, I'll say this, these three exercises or ideas, um, they might work for you, they might not. My prayer is that they would stir you up to think about your own ideas of how to slow down because love is slow, peace is slow, joy is slow, Advent is slow. And so can I pray for us? Okay, let's pray. God, I'll just confess that I probably need this sermon more than all my friends here. (laughs) So I'm preaching to myself this morning. But Lord, I just desperately want to be able to slow down and to be attentive to your presence, to be aware of your presence, to experience your peace, to experience your joy in every moment, regardless of where I am, and to experience your love. But Lord, we live in this culture where we're just hurried, and rushed all the time, and anxious, um, chronic hurry just surrounds us wherever we go, and it's even in our hearts. And so, Lord, we ask you to do what only you can do, and no man can do. Just grab our attention and enable us to slow down, to be more attentive, to be present to you and to others, our friends, the people in our, our lives that you've connected us to. God, help us to be aware of your presence at our job sites and in our homes and in our recreation. God, so that we could feel and experience your peace, peace with God, peace with our circumstances, and peace with the world. Lord, that's just inca- we're just incapable. We just declare it. We're incapable of doing it without your help. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to to work with us, to speak to us, to remind us as we engage these exercises that you would help us to uh, always be looking for where you are. And we promise to, to give you all the praise, all the glory, all the credit. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.